Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. This is Bird 365. Hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. And here we go, here we go! Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50-plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! And a good football morning, Birds fans. Thanks for jumping in here on Birds 365. You got the Mac and Mac guys, John McMullen and Jody McDonald, hanging with you for the next couple hours. Uh, we're still attempting, efforting, call it what you want, uh, to try and get the link to join us to our first guest. I mentioned this yesterday on the show. Uh, next three days here on Birds 365 with the schedule release coming up on Thursday question is will the eagles actually found out on wednesday what one of their games are because a couple of games are going to be released the day before the schedule release specialized games which could include the very first game of the season on that opening thursday night against the chiefs in kansas city um since we're getting ready for the upcoming season we know there are three teams that the eagles will play two times over the course of the year that would be their three divisional rivals the Commanders, the Giants, and the Cowboys. So we're going to get a reporter on from each of those three teams. And uh, we're efforting getting Paul Schwartz, a good buddy of mine, has been covering the Giants for decades for the New York Post, uh, top on board and talk about one of the Eagles' key uh, divisional rivals this year. So uh, stay tuned for that. Hopefully we get Schwartzy up here in about the next 15 minutes or so. But uh, before we get to the Giants, Johnny Mac, Philadelphia Eagles down one. 
released a player yesterday. Andre, we hardly knew ye. No, well, actually, hardly knew how to pronounce your last name, probably more than we didn't know Andre, because uh, he has been here for two years. Andre Sachere told his services are no longer needed after being here for two years. Shouldn't come as a major surprise because the Eagles did bring in a lot of new DBs during this offseason, drafted a couple, signed a couple of more in the post-draft undrafted free agent uh, signing period. Andre Sachere not back. I'm not going to uh, lose any sleep over him not patrolling the secondary for the Eagles because he honestly didn't play all that much over two years from the line of scrimmage. But he's a pretty good special teams player for the Eagles Johnny Mac, what does the loss of Andre Sachere mean to the Eagles special teams? Um, I, I don't think it means all that much. You're you're right. I mean, I think uh, you know, when Andre first got here, he kind of showed up on special teams, and then I, I don't think the consistency was there from week to week, and that's where he had to make his uh bones, so to speak. I mean, um and and he had to be like a Rudy Ford type player uh, to stick on the roster. And, you know, he, he bounced up and, and back from the practice squad last year. Um, and, and occasionally he would be, he would make some splash plays as a gunner and say, wow, that's pretty good. But it, it just wasn't consistent from week to week. And as you mentioned, they added so much uh, as far as bodies in the secondary. I mean, the, the writing was kind of, on the wall. So, you know, in essence, they did him a favor, to be honest, uh, get him out there as quickly as possible. They probably want to sign a, a, one of the tryout players they had uh, over the weekend. And I always say, you, you know, from a coaching perspective, you want to sign one of those guys and say, Hey, look, so-and-so did this and we're, we're rewarding him. Um, and, 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 you know, Andre will get a chance to catch on elsewhere. Um so, yeah, it is typically when you're the 90th man on the roster, that's essentially what they're saying he is. Uh, it's probably a good idea to, to get a veteran started on the next chapter. Yeah, but um, as of right now with the cut down, uh, letting Andre go yesterday, Eagles are down to 86. So it wasn't like, ooh, we got to make room. They had three empty spots on the roster as of right now. So I think that it was more a number, a positional number than it was an overall roster number that they made this decision on. And I know you've referenced it a couple times uh, more so than last year, but the year before that they talked up a whole bunch of their young reserve defensive secondary guys that could become contributors for the Eagles to the line of scrimmage. Yeah. They're all gone by now. Uh, a little hyperbole with some of their young guys, which Andre Sachere was included in that group. Uh, I'm not not knocking the guy, but I'm also not going to overstate uh, what his subtraction from the team actually is. They can find somebody else who's going to do exactly what Andre Sachere did. Um, yeah, I mean, as you mentioned, they brought in, um, you know, whether you look at guys like. Um, you know, Eli Ricks or, 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 um, forget about the, the drafted players, but, uh, Calais Ringo's of the world of forgetting the other, uh, McKee Gardner from LSU. Those were the undrafted guys they brought in. Remember, you still have Josh, the Josh Jobs. Job, yeah. 
uh, who who did a lot of, of that last year from the gunning perspective. Uh, then, you know, you have Sidney Brown, Terrell Edmonds, Justin Evans at safety. Uh, you still have Zach McPherson, who was the other one. So it was pretty much Zach McPherson and, and Josh Job were the starting gunners last year, and they're both back. And, and you have the Ringos and, and Greedy Williams of the world as well. So, I mean, the numbers were not good um, from the perspective of, you know, some of those guys I just mentioned aren't going to make the team. Um, you know, I, I, I think Greedy Williams is now, you know, sort of up against it. Um, as a one-year prove-it player, he's going to have to have a, a strong summer. So he's one of those guys, look, if he plays poorly in training camp and preseason, he's a move on. Uh, there's not a lot of guarantees there. Um, and and the same thing we said about the tryout players, you know, you know whether they sign one, two, three, whatever, um, they like to send that message to the locker room. Well, they always like to send the message to the locker room about undrafted players. They always keep one. Last year, they kept four, essentially. Um, you know, it was three uh, on the opening 53, the initial 53, but Britton Covey, uh, Covey was was stashed on the practice squad because they knew they could get him through waivers. And then they elevated him three straight weeks to be the punt returner and then put them on the 52. So it was sort of manipulation. They wanted to keep four guys um, that were undrafted. So, you know, one or two of those guys is going to stick around as well. How many guys are on the practice squad again, John? Is it 16? 16. 16. Yeah, see, they got a big practice squad and the, uh, the Eagles not a maneuver through the practice squad as do as uh, all the other teams in the National Football League. You're not on the 53, but you are part of the organization as one of the practice squad guys. Um, do you think at some point, if, if uh, he doesn't uh, hop on with another team, is there any reconsideration for Sassaray? This is uh, washing their hands of Andre, is it not? Yeah, this early, I would think it is. I mean, you, you, you never know. I mean, they like him. He's been around a while. If there's a bunch of injuries when they start up, he could be back. But this is a clear indication that uh, they want to look at their younger players. And if their younger players disappoint and he's still on the street, you know, you, you never say never. But um, this is, you know, and, and by the way, he's good enough to where he will catch on somewhere else as a potential special teams player. So, um, yeah, but you know, if it's week three, you have an injury, a uh, couple injuries, he's on the street. I, I, you know, that point you would never know, but I don't expect to see him again until that type of scenario. Quarterbacks are cornerbacks and safeties are safeties. And, the two shall only meet if you're a mirror player as a safety and a, uh, a slot cornerback, at least in the Eagles' mind. Um, but I do look at them as a group and then break them out individually as well. Eagles have a lot of DBs under contract when they have their first uh, workout of the season. Rookie camp not being counted because it's only rookies. A name you didn't throw out there. And I always forget that he's on the roster as well. Maybe it's kind of an indication of uh, how you look at his tenure here as a Philadelphia Eagle. What do you think Kayvon Wallace's status is with the Philadelphia Eagles? Because you do like the 
you like to brag about getting undrafted free agents on your roster and a great job of scouting and developing and everything else, but you made a commitment to a draft pick and they, they try to advance those players even more so than undrafted free agents. Uh, Wallace played some last year, even made a couple of splash plays, but he also made a couple of bad plays. What would you say, and I know it's way too early to do this, but we do it anyway. What would you say Kayvon Wallace's status is in the Eagles defensive backfield as of right now? Um, he's going to get pushed. Uh, you know, I think the only three guys he can sort of use pen instead of pencil at safety are Sidney Brown, uh, Reed Blankenship, and Terrell Edmonds. So then it comes down to, you know, Kayvon Wallace is probably the leader in the clubhouse for that fourth position, but he's got to hold off Justin uh, Evans. Evans. Um, you know, and then it's interesting, like, where are they going to use? I, I thought the knock against Gardner, McKee Gardner is an undrafted corner from LSU. The knock against him is speed, and but he's a big guy. Uh, I thought maybe they would move him to safety. Um who knows? They might still do that. They have, you know, they have a type. Uh, Tristan McCullum um, is is a tall, lengthy guy. He used to play corner in college. They've already moved him to safety. Uh, Eli Ricks, uh, big name that everybody knows. Big, tall guy. Um, I shouldn't say big. He's a little bit uh, weight-wise, probably not where you want, but he's very from a length standpoint is what you want. And again, he only ran a four or five, five, which I say only that's not good for an NFL corner. And that's one of the reasons he went from top 10 pick from Todd McShay to undrafted. Um, and I thought maybe they might move him to safety. So there's a lot of potential options to, you know, manipulate and move guys. If, if you see enough from them in training camp, uh, to say, all right, we, we got to keep this guy around. Uh, um, so, as you mentioned, it's way too early, but Kmod's the leader in the clubhouse, and, and mainly because of special teams, and he's, you know, the, the punt protector, for instance, uh, which is not uh, the personal protector for the punter, which is not a huge role, but it's meaningful when you screw it up. <laughs> so... Um, you know, he's been here, so I, I think leader in the clubhouse is a proper description, but if he doesn't play well, yeah, there's going to be a lot of bodies inching to get in there. And that's one of the reasons why, and I know we're doing a self-promo here for three year, three months down the road, uh, Birds 365 is a must-watch for you Eagle fans during the preseason because Johnny Mac's down there every single uh, day and the next day's in here with me telling me what did or didn't come down in the limited time they have in practice. Uh, they'll, they'll put their time in with uh, Michael Clay. The special yeah, where else, by the way, do you get uh, personal protector for the punter talk? Where else? That's exactly what I was referencing. Uh, yeah. Once we get, and John and I are going to talk about it until camp gets here in a speculatory tone, but, uh, once the camp gets underway, Johnny Mack will have his insights for you day in and day out. Uh, this is a big week because the schedule will be revealed. They finally made the announcement yesterday after we got off the air. Yeah, we're going to do it on Thursday. Adam Schefter had it about 
10 days to two weeks ago that it was targeted for Thursday, May 11th. But the NFL had not confirmed that until yesterday. We know that it is going to come out on Thursday. A couple of select games will be announced on outlets of their TV partners, CBS, Fox, it's whole, NBC. It's a whole rollout. <laughs> Amazon it's, will get to yeah. on their platform, be able to tell what the Friday game, the Black Friday game is going to be, which Peter King pretty tied in, did speculate last week. Could be Giants and Eagles for the first ever Black Friday game to be streamed on Amazon. Uh, we'll ask. We'll ask about that game. Paul Schwartz isn't going to do any shopping that day. If that's the case, if he's got to be in attendance for the Eagles and the Giants on Black Friday, uh, Paul Schwartz, insider and uh, beat reporter for the Giants for uh, two and a half decades, is going to join us next. We're going to preview all three of the Eagles' divisional opponents this week. First up today, New York Giants, Paul Schwartz, the New York Post, going to stream in with us here on Birds 365. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement. But would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go first! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go first. All right, did you know I was the mommy slam dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really, don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready, all right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left, fake a mom. Mama, go up, mama! She did it. Again? You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh-huh.
E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. You got your Mega Mac guys here on Bird 365. We're lucky enough to have, oh, did he disappear on us? No, I saw him there. He was in the green room. Green room. Damn, I couldn't hear us, so out. we're trying to log him back in. He couldn't right. uh, that, That's an issue. Off. We'll try and get him back up. Paul Schwartz, uh, I've known Schwartz for Holy smokes, 40 years? Somewhere there. Yeah. Uh, when we get him up, he'll confirm this. I've known Schwartz that long because we both were graduates of the State University of New York at Albany. All right. Uh, we're fellow Great Danes. Of course, he was working at the newspaper at the at the the college. I was working on the radio station at the college. And Schwartz, they haven't figured us out yet. We've been faking them for 40 years now, and they haven't booted either one of us, have they? Jody, hey, John, how are you? Um, yes, you know, I did work at the radio station in Albany, too. Um, but <laughs> I did work there, too, but I figured um, with competition like you, I better see, I better get my writing skills in order and, um, you know, you know, dance with what brung you sort of thing. So, yes, yeah, we're went- both here and... Um, um, it's amazing. We look remarkably like we did in, high, in uh, college. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. Maybe, maybe the screen is not. Maybe it's a little fuzzy. Maybe I'm yeah. not seeing correctly. That would be a bold-faced lie, but thank you for the attempt, Mr. Schwartz. Uh, hey, P, uh, P.S. Um, when last we saw the Giants, they were leaving the field from Lincoln Financial Field. They haven't been beat by the Eagles in the playoffs. The Giants had a hell of a year. We're going to talk to you about their whole offseason, but they had a hell of a year last year. First one, new coach, make the playoffs, win a playoff game on the road against the Minnesota Vikings, but then it ended here in Philadelphia. And let's be honest, Eagles beat the Giants kind of handily three times last year. Bad matchup between the two teams with the fact that the Giants had as good a season as you had. You thought they'd be more competitive against the Eagles. The Eagles were the best team in the NFC, but the games between the two teams weren't really all that competitive. Why do you think that was? Well, Jody, the the um the Giants were one five and one against the division last year. You know, that they lost three times to the Eagles in what, six weeks? Uh, lost to the Cowboys twice, tied the Commanders, and beat the Commanders. So, you know, it, it, it's an NFC East problem. But, yeah, okay. I mean, the, the the last regular season game, the Giants were playing their backups. Jalen Hurts was get, just getting back into gear, right? He was not really himself, yes, and that was a close game. So, you know, I guess the Giants can say, well, if we played our starters, it w- you know, it was a close game with Davis Webb. But, yeah, I mean, look, the playoff game was a non-competitive event. Um, the Eagles are clearly better than the Giants. I think – the main thing is the offense and defensive lines of both teams. Uh, Eagles were probably the best in the league, right? If you just line up offensive line, defensive line as, as units. Um, the Giants could not say that last year. And, um, you know, they tried to do some things to help rectify that. And, um, um, look, a lot of teams had problems with the Eagles. And, yes, the Giants, before you can think about glory, you got to, you know, win these fights in your own backyard and uh, – Yes, the Eagles don't uh, I mean, put it this way. The Giants, when they made moves this offseason, definitely had one eye on the Eagles. No question about it. Uh, Paul, you mentioned those, you know, that's kind of what the Eagles are known for building up front on both sides of the football, really, since Andy Reid got here in 1990. That's sort of been their foundational principle. It's not often sexy, but it works when you can block people. You can get some things done offensively and vice versa if you can't block people. Um, it's been a while for the Giants, but I'm, I, I was 
finally, you know, kind of, I don't want to go overboard, but Andrew Thomas is, is, is turning into a, a, a really good player. Evan Neal's got a ton of talent. Um, they're starting to turn the corner on the offensive line. And, and Dexter Lawrence, I, I thought he was one of the best players in the NFL over the last month or so. He dominated the Vikings uh, in that playoff game. Um, some nice steps for Brian Dayball, uh, Joe Shane in, in year one. Fair yeah, to well, say? Yeah. I mean, I mean, look, I mean, uh, the, the Giants agree with you. They gave Dexter Lawrence a $90 million contract. You know what I mean? Um, uh, you know, uh, averaging what, 22 and a half million a year or something. So, yeah, I mean, Dexter Lawrence, uh, Leonard Williams is a really good player up front. He had some injury problems last year. He's very steady. Uh, you know, they they drafted last year Kayvon Thibodeau to be an edge rusher. He had a good rookie year. Not crazy good, but certainly good. Um, their other edge rusher, Aziz Ojolari, was basically had a wasted year with injuries. So, you know, that's an issue. You know, the Eagles grow these guys on trees, you know, and yeah. they, they draft them high. They draft them low. They sign them. They just cultivate them. They come at you in waves. The Giants do not have that yet. Um, you mentioned Andrew Thomas. Yeah, he will be. Um, they don't have to do it this year. You know, um, if all goes well this year, he'll be one of the higher paid left tackles in the league next year. Um, and look, they drafted a center, John Michael Schmitz, to be their starting center. Um, so it's coming on the offensive line. Uh, Evan Neal, the guy they drafted number seven overall out of Alabama to be their starting right tackle. He's a guy you plug in and say, for 10 years, I don't want to worry about right tackle. Well, he was not great last year. You know, he's promising. He's huge. Um, but he had some growing pains, much like Andrew Thomas did his rookie year. So, you know, playing the Eagles twice or like they did three times, these are incredible lessons for these guys. So, yeah, the building blocks are there, but it's just not there yet. That's all. The building blocks always yeah. start with the quarterback position. And the Eagles got their guy locked up this mm -hmm. offseason, Jalen Hurts, as did the Giants. And although there was a lot of talk about it both in New York and Philadelphia, what are they going to do with I, I had the prediction dead on accurate. They're going to throw the uh, franchise tag on him and then move from there. They did and got it done. Not as big a deal as Hurts and Lamar Jackson, some of the superstar quarterbacks, but a fair deal and a, a pretty good <laughs> commitment to Daniel Jones. Is it a given that he's going to be the Giants quarterback for X amount of years going forward? And if so, how many is X? Well, there's no givens, right? He, he's their quarterback this year. There's no givens just because of the nature of that position now. Teams just don't wait anymore. I mean, really, this this is this was listed as a four-year contract for 160, right? Really, it's a three-year contract averaging 37.5 million. That's what it is. After three years, they can get, a, get out of it with very little harm done. So I guess if you want to say um, now, now you're giving me the hives. I'm trying to think of this is algebra now, right? South for X. South for X. <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah. I, I knew that Albany uh, education would pay off for something. Doing yeah. math with your buddy Johnny Mac 40 years later. Yeah, th that's why I went into writing, okay? Because I had a hard time <laughs> solving for X, right? Um, yeah. Well, X is three years, really. Now, I'm not saying he's guaranteed to start for three years, but you know, the debate with Daniel Jones was not is he worth 35 or 40? Because if you look at it, if you if you think you have a mid-level or you have a – can we agree he's not maybe a top-10 quarterback yet and he's not a bottom-10 quarterback yet? Yeah, can the three of us big, agree yeah, with that right now? Yeah. 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 So if you, want a, if you want a quarterback who's 11 to 15, let's say, you have to pay him $37.5 million a year. Yeah. That's, just, that's just the way it is right now. So 
Um, you know, can he be more than that? The Giants think so. So, you know, he didn't get Jalen Hurts money. He got commensurate money for a guy who's like the 13th or 14th best quarterback in the league. Who's your starter? Um, now, he, he was only one year with Brian Dable. He did well. He stayed healthy. Uh, they're going to have to get his running down. I think just like Jalen Hurts a little bit in Philly, you can't have these quarterbacks running all over the place because they're too valuable and it's too dangerous. Um, you know, Jalen Hurts is a more athletic guy than Daniel, although in a foot race <laughs> for 40 yards, I mean, Daniel's really fast. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's a fast guy, but um, they have more weapons this year. We'll probably get into some of those. Um, they have Saquon back. Um, he's their quarterback. And and the, the surprising thing to me was last year, they did not pick up his fifth year option. Joe Shane came in and Brian Dable came in. The first decision they made was we're not picking up his fifth year option, which would have only been $22 million for this year. So it was absolutely 100% prove it to us. We didn't draft you. You're a good guy, but we didn't draft you. And we just won't keep you if, if, if you can't prove it. He proved it. So if fans love what Joe Shane and Brian Dable brought, then I think they have to, at least trust, especially Dable. Dable's a quarterback's guy. He didn't have to sign off on Daniel Jones, and he did. Yeah, I, and you're right. I mean, that's the cost of doing business yeah. at that position in the NFL right now. But if you want to get him from 11 to 15, the top 10, I think the best way to do it is to help him with weapons. Have they done enough? I mean, Jalen Hurts deserves all the credit in the world for his step forward, but don't dismiss A.J. Brown, man. We, we saw that up close. What a difference he made for this offense. It's sort of the final piece of the puzzle. Everything fit into place. The Giants seem to be carpet-bombing wide receiver, uh, Paul, but I don't see any – I mean, they drafted Jalen Hyatt. They brought in Paris Campbell. You know, you still have Slayton back and – Sterling Shepard will be back healthy. I like that kid Hodgins, but he's kind of limited, you know, from an athleticism standpoint. And they did bring in Darren Waller, who, you know, but he's been injured. Uh, he's he's proven, but he but he hasn't done it for a while. Do you think they've helped Daniel Jones enough? Are there enough weapons on this team? And then Saquon, who hasn't signed his franchise tender, correct? Correct. So he, he has not signed it. Yeah. Yeah. Look, very few guys sign their franchise tag yeah. in, in, in April and May. Why should they, right? He's yeah. not at the off-season workout program. I think there's probably a 50-50 chance they come up with a three-year deal for him. You know, you know, um, you know, know, Joe Shane offered him at the bye week, offered him after the season. It got up to around $13 million a year. I think Saquon was getting bad info from his reps that, that did not foresee that the running back market was just not going to be there. You know, the running back, look at, look at my, what did Miles Sanders get in the open? Six the and a half. And he was number one uh, on the free agent market. Uh, you know, now, now Miles Sanders is not Saquon Barkley, but no. you know, they, they finished close in, 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 you know, they, they, you know, they both had, you know, what, 1200 yards. Did, did Sanders get up that high? Did he get yeah, that 12, uh, 1269 and yeah, 11 so, touchdowns. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you know, what did that say in other years he would have gotten, $14 million. It's just not the way it works anymore. So, so they did a bad job with that. And, and, you know, a, a, a player has to suffer when his reps don't do a good job. Right. And um, Saquon suffering a little bit. I think they could come up with something um, as far as the weapons. Um, you, you know, you know, that's a good, good point. You made John about carpet bagging uh, wide receiver. You know what the giants didn't do? Uh, the giants love Jay flowers, right? They love them. Um, he wasn't there. You know, the four four receivers went off the board for the yeah. first time in history, four in a row, right? The Giants were going to take a couple of those. When they didn't, they pivoted to really what is their number one need 
cornerback, and they took Deontay Banks of, of Maryland. So that was fine. But um, what the Giants didn't do was force it. You know, they didn't go out and pay a Kenny Galladay $72 million, which the previous franchise, you know, the front office did. They didn't say, you know what, we need a receiver. We're just going to take the next one on our list, you know, at number 25 or trade up to 24 to get him because they weren't worth it, you know. So so that was good. Um, Darren Waller is the guy. You know, he is the weapon, whether you call him a receiver or a tight end. They only gave, they gave up a third round pick for him, and and you're right. Two, for the last two years, he had hamstring problems. He he was not not on the field much, and he wasn't a great player. But two years before that, he was just like any of these other great tight ends that we talk about. He was right up there. So the Giants, they can hope they can get 85 percent of that, and he will be the big difference. A little roll of the dice with Darren Waller. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, I I know you and I discussed this. Could have been off the air. Could have been mm-hmm. on the air on radio somewhere else. Because I was surprised. Well, I wasn't surprised because guys like Paul Schwartz were reporting it before it ever happened that the Giants decided to part ways with James Bradbury. And the Philadelphia Eagles thanked the Giants for that profusely because Bradbury came in here and it was great for Philadelphia. They got themselves in a salary cap situation. New GM came in, had to sign the rookies. Uh, Somebody had to go and they chose Bradbury. Give us the backstory. Give our eagle listeners the backstory on that. Why Bradbury was the guy they singled out. Knew somebody was going to become a cap casual. He ended up being the guy signing here, having a great year here, re-signing year. How did Bradbury's days at the Giants come to an end? Well, he played well. You know, it wasn't because of performance. Uh, he was the highest paid guy, you know, pretty much. And, yeah, they got in ter- terrible cap situation. You know, they had a new regime change, and they just couldn't. It just, you know, Joe Shane came in and looked at it and said, we don't have the luxury of having James and Dory Jackson, the other cornerback makes good money too. not Bradbury money, but he was, he's makes good money. So he just looked at that and said, we can't do it. Somebody has to go now. You know how it is on your own team. You're not going to accept a pay cut on yep, another yep, team. You yep. may, you may, you may take a little less. Right. And, and you guys have seen Bradbury for a year. He is, he's like a baseball player, right? He is what his stats say. Um, is he a great leader? I mean, no. Is he a great personality? No. He is a he is a automaton cornerback, which is which is not bad. I think Darrell Revis was that. You know what I mean? They they go out and they try to shut down the other team, and then they 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 bring their lunch pail, they bring their briefcase. I mean, I thought his 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 reaction after the Super Bowl was classic James Bradbury. You know. He's a yeah, really good player. I grabbed, his, I grabbed his jersey. He admitted grabbed, to it. You're right. I, you know, I'm, I'm right. I mean, everyone in Philly was outraged. Yeah. Except James for the guy like, who did James, it. Yeah. He's, except he's, he did it, right? And and I remember, you know, you guys, you know, this is an inside, like, journalism thing. My office was emailing me and texting me, you know, because I'm writing sidebars on the Super Bowl. And they're saying, you have to go crazy with the outrage in Philly. You, ha- <laughs> you have to write that this was a terrible call and this is awful. And, you know, this cost him the game. And I said, okay, and I'm getting ready to write it. And then you go right. talk to James yeah, Bradbury right. and I call, you know, call the office and I say, I email him and I say, I don't know if we can be more outraged than James Bradbury can. He's not outraged, you know? And, and, and they're like, well, it's an outrage. And I said, well, I know there's outrage, but the player said, yeah, I did it. And I wish they didn't call it. So, um, yeah, look, that that was you know good by the Eagles to pick yeah. him up. That they had the money to do that. The Eagles always seem to come up with the money. Joe Shane just looked at it and said, "We just can't pay him." You know, they, it's not that they didn't like the player. And once they got rid of him, 
that became the biggest hole on the team. And sure. it was the biggest hole on the team all year. So it's not like they had a plan to replace him. They didn't. They just, you know, now, you know what the replacement is? This year, Deontay Banks. Yeah, Deontay That's Banks, the by the way. Yeah. By the way, I thought it made sense from the Giants' perspective. They're bringing in Wink Martindale. They need press corners. James is a great, great zone corner. Smart, savvy. You're right, Paul. He he is even keeled, man. He was like, yeah, I did it, but, you know. I was hoping they didn't call it. And, and you're right. Sure. That, it was not a great scheme fit, although he's a, yeah. he's a really good player. He's just, a really you know, good I player. Mean, look, would Wink have wanted him? Yes, because there was nobody there better than him. But, you know, I think when they looked at it, they said, well, he's not a great scheme fit, so uh, we can't afford him anyway, so it has to happen that way. You know, I mean, it, it, it's – it's um it worked out great for the Eagles and you know it would have been better if we went to the Chargers and then the Giants yeah, wouldn't yeah, have yeah. to worry about them but you know that's what happens and by the way I think Deontay Banks is one of the most natural fits when you put team and player together because I think he's a perfect corner for Wink Martindale I want to talk about Wink because I don't know if you know this Paul but Eagles fans I'm not going to say love Wink Martindale, but they want him to be their defensive coordinator because he's like the only guy in the league with that old school mentality of aggression, rush, blitz. How is he sort of taken in New York? How did the Giants fans uh, uh, look at Wink Martindale? Well, if you see a bunch of middle-aged guys walking around with sleeveless, long sleeve, whatever he wears, I mean, he is... Look, they love him. I mean, now, now look, they didn't win the Super Bowl, so they, they, yeah. they, 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 they're on their way to loving him. Um, look, Wink is a good personality. You know, now he's not. You know, you know when he came in, people tell me, "Oh, he's Rex Ryan." He's not Rex Ryan. You know, he is not a crazy interview. He's he's a fun and delightful interview. You know, but he he doesn't ever bash the other team. He always praises his team, his 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 guys. If somebody screws up, he he kind of couches it. But he's a delightful guy. Um, he, he he had this thing at the start of the season. He didn't do it much later in the season where he would compare guys to other guys, and he would compare guys. I loved it. We would have loved it, you know, all three of us, because he compared guys to guys who played in the sixties and seventies, you know. And half the people there were like, um, <laughs> "Was that? I, I don't know who that is." Can, you know, can you it, spell it, that for it, me. But yeah, yeah, it it was fun, but um. um you know, look, he, he's a very aggressive. His his players like him. You know, he emboldens his players. You know, he is a um, this is what I think you can do, and I'm gonna let you do it player. He's not, you can't do that, so we have to limit you. You know, now he now he's very he substitutes they had more substitutional um, you know, changes than any team in the league last year, I think, on defense, you know. So he was big on okay, not so good on second down, we'll replace him. But he did have to do a lot of that, and I think he'd like to do less of that if he had a, a better core. You know, which is, you know, they, they had a big problems with their interior uh, linebackers, their inside linebackers all year. So he had to move guys, you know, down, down to down. He had to switch guys a lot. But, you know, Wink is a very colorful guy. Like Mike Kafka had like four or five interviews. Yeah. With the coach, the offense coordinator. Yeah. But he's much more vanilla, much more buttoned down, 35 years old. Look, Wink wants to be a head coach. You know, he just wants to be a head coach. He thinks he says, I'm in a I have a great job here as a defensive coordinator. For the Giants, um, um, you know, Dable pretty much leaves him alone. You know, he is the defensive guy. He wants to be a head coach, so he wants to do well. He wants to be colorful. He wants to be good with the media so he can get a chance. All right, along those lines, uh, you watch every snap of all 17 Giant games. I watch most of them and certainly every snap of Giants-Eagles. Yeah. A guy who I thought played well for them last year, specifically games I watch and the games against the Eagles that the Giants couldn't find a way to win, but it wasn't, in my opinion, this guy's fault. 
they let Julian Love walk out the door, which I was a little surprised by. And Seattle made him a good offer. It wasn't like the Giants were pushing him out the door. They just got outbid for his services. I thought he did a nice job for them at safety in the secondary last year. Was it close for him staying? Do they think they have someone ready to step right in? How big a loss is Love in the D backfield? For the Giants. Well, you guys, you guys must have something in Philly, you know, like the good guy award. You know, you give something to the, the guy who's the best with the beat riders, the media. Yeah. Um, Julian Love was our good guy award winner. So that was a tough blow when he left. I mean, he was a he was a locker room. You go to him, win, lose, draw, which they did, you know, draw once last year. And he is <laughs> he was a great quote, uh, a very personable. He got it. Uh, he was a guy who was made for New York. Um, you know, he's a kid from the Chicago area, so it's not like the city was 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 a problem for him. And um, um, there's a couple of things. First of all, they had a ceiling with Julian Love because they have Xavier McKinney on the team who they're going to make the, the highest paid safety next year. You know, so so they know they're not going to go crazy with Julian Love, knowing we have Xavier McKinney sitting in the wings. So we're going to make, you know, the higher paid safety. Um, they liked him a lot. You know, Joe Shane told me that he made him what he thought was a better offer. OK, so it wasn't like they felt we got outbid. You know, Seattle gave him way more money. You know, I don't know exactly how it was structured, but Shane said we gave him our offer was more money. OK, Ooh. but but Julian was getting some bad information and he took maybe it was structured a little differently or something. Maybe they showed him more love. You know, Joe Shane is kind of a, a tactician. You know, he 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 doesn't show a lot of love, but then he gives what he thinks is 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 proper. So I think they thought they were going to keep Julian Love. It wasn't like we're moving on from him. They gave him an offer they thought yeah. was good. You know, the safety market also was not great, right? Yeah. Safety yeah. And, and running back was not great. So these guys were hoping for 10, 12 million. They weren't going to get it. So, um, um, you know, we'll see. You know, Seattle's far away. And, um, you know, he's going to a team. We'll see how that works out. But um, the Giants thought that they gave him a better offer and that Julian just didn't take it. We'll see how it works out. But it's not like they didn't like him. They did like him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul, you mentioned uh, uh, Julian Love, obviously, probably their biggest loss in free agency, their biggest gain. You were mentioning that inside linebacker position. I don't want to butcher the kid's name, so help me out. Bobby O'Karaki from Indianapolis. I, I, you know, they gave him a lot of money, and you're not supposed to give off all linebackers a lot of money unless you're the Chicago Bears. Um, was it that bad that they felt they had to overpay or, or do you think that was a real need and, and it was a good contract? Well, I believe it's okay. Reiki. Okay. Okay. Um, Reiki. Okay. Reiki. Okay. Okay. Reiki. 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 Yes. Call him Bobby. 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 O. Bobby. O. Yes. Like not Bobby Ojeda, right? Bobby. O. <laughs> Bobby. O. Um, well, yeah, they gave him 10 million a year. That's probably a little steep for a inside linebacker. Um, they needed him. You know, they needed someone. No, don't forget last year at this time, they had Blake Martinez, who the previous regime of, of um, you know, Joe Shane, he was he was their 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 Captain America. You know, he was their yeah, guy. Yeah. He was a team captain. Uh, he had 140 tackles. They, he was their spokesman. You know, you know, we had a season through Zoom every time they lost. There was Blake Martinez on Zoom, you know, explaining why they lost. You know, he was the good soldier. And, um, you know, he was not a good scheme fit. He got a little hurt. He, you know, he had an ACL before that, and then he didn't want to play. And now he just sold a, um, a, uh, a um, what is it? A, um, a um, not Yu-Gi-Oh! What's the other card? He, sold, he sells these cards. He went to the Raiders. He retired. And he sells these cards 
Yu-Gi-Oh cards or whatever these cards. He, he sold one for a million dollars. So, you know, no. really. wow. Yeah. yeah. So he's I did not know that. He's, 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 he's opening, uh, opening trading cards and making money. So, you know, <laughs> more power to him. Right. Yeah. Um, but that was a rough position for them last year. They, you know, they, they tried Jalen Smith from the Cowboys. He was okay. Um, so, so, um, this guy is, is a, you know, quote unquote tackling machine. You know, he had 150 tackles for the Colts. He's, I think he's only 26. So he's got years. Um, um, he, he's bigger. He's, he's a little bit of a, a more physical guy and, um, you know, he can, he can cover the tight end a little bit. Um, so yeah, this, this was a complete need, you know, you know, Wink said, I need this. I just need a guy I can count on. He can play three downs. I need him. So the game, what, four years, 40, it's not crazy money. Um, you know, it's not crazy money. It's, it's, it's maybe a couple of million bucks higher than you want to spend there. But, um, um, you know, sometimes you got to fill a hole any way you can. I know, uh, the most of the guys that I trust, uh, that aren't New York writers, I trust Schwartz, but not when it comes to the giants, cause he's going to give us the always look on the bright side of life answers. Not true. He actually will rip the Giants when necessary. I'm just busting his chops. Uh, but most of the national guys that I read post-draft report cards on thought that the Giants had one of the better drafts. The Eagles as well as an A draft, but the Giants got a lot of A grades as well. How much does the Schmitz pick at center make the Giants draft? They needed a center. They got a guy who's probably going to step in, get plugged in year number one. How important was he to the Giants draft? And overall, what do you think of the Giants draft? Well, look, I always find it funny when these guys, oh, A plus. Yeah, because <laughs> you picked you picked the players that you like. You know, the Giants picked the players that you like, right? So like 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 if 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 there's a guy out there drafting and he says, I didn't like Jalen Hyatt at all. I wouldn't have traded up for him. Then you're going to give the Giants a bad grade, right? Right. If you, yeah, if you, had, yeah. if you had Jalen Hyatt as a second-round yeah. pick and the Giants got him in a third, they're geniuses, you know? So, yeah, and look, I mean, the problem with the Giants was the Giants, a lot of people gave an A or an A-plus for whatever that means, but the Eagles got like an A-plus-plus, you know? So, you know, <laughs> a lot of people thought, like, oh, my, how do they keep on, you know, they just – they just have this pipeline to yeah. Georgia and they just keep on taking Georgia's best defensive players. So, you know, we'll see how it works out. Um, I think Jody, to your question, the look, Deontay Banks, John, as you said, it was a, a, you know, it was a big need. It was a great scheme fit. The receivers weren't there. You just take them. It was sort of an easy pick. I think if ba Banks wasn't there, Joe Shane might've traded down instead of trading from 24 uh, from 25 to 24. Cause he was like the last man standing on their board in that wide receiver cornerback group so that was an easier pick it made complete sense now i think what made the draft for the i know in the giants minds it once they took john michael schmitz in the second round um they needed a center um you know i i think they might have had joe Tipman slightly higher but he went to the jets but i think it was fractions you know i think they were thrilled with either of the guys and they you know he i'd be shocked if he's not their starting center you know, as a rookie, that's tough. But I think what made it for the Giants is once they trade, once they drafted John Michael Schmidt, they said, okay, um, now we're not going to get Hyatt. You know, we just have to assume we're not going to get Hyatt. He won't be there at 89. And right after they took him, Joe Shane told everyone, you know what, let's see if we can get greedy here. Anyone out there, start making calls and see maybe what it will take to get up to get Hyatt. And it was Brian Dayball, actually, who sent a text to Sean McVay with the Rams and, and, and McVay said, yeah, we might be willing to move off. Um, what was it? Um, 73. Um, so the giants 
went from 89 to 73. That's a big jump, right? You know, they, yeah. gave, they gave up their fourth round pick because they thought Hyatt was a second round vertical threat, you know, better than most people thought. So, so I asked Joe Shane directly after the draft, did you think you could get Schmitz and Hyatt in this draft? He said, I did not. And I did not see a window to get that until we started making all these moves. So what made the draft is, you know, like, it's like anything, right? You guys cover the draft and, and, and then you hear fans, once they take a player to position, right? The Eagles, then fans say, well, what about this position? You say, well, you can't take two players at one position. No, you can't. Yeah. If you take a defensive player, then the need for the offensive guard is it, you, yeah. you've, you've decided what is more important, what's your priority. <laughs> you may not get that guard then, right? You may just yeah. not get it. So the Giants, well, you know, last the year, the two players that they didn't think they would be able to get both of them. So that, that's what they were most happy about. Yeah. You know how that works, Paul. Last year, the Eagles said, hey, it was between Cam Jurgens and Kobe Dean in the second round for us. The Eagles default to offensive linemen. Magically, Kobe Dean falls to third. We got the two players we wanted. It's funny how that always works out. He was the it highest was player on our board. He was yeah. the highest player Always on the our highest board. player. Well, it yeah. should be, you know. Yeah, Don't well, like, that's why you took him because he was yeah. high on your board. Now <laughs> exactly. is, do we think board is worth a damn, yeah. right? You know, some yeah. teams say that all the time, and you say, Well, you got a history of lousy picking. You know, you say, your, board, <laughs> your board stinks. You know what I mean? Yeah. At New York Post underscore Swartz, make sure you follow uh follow Paul on Twitter. Uh get all the intel on a division rival, does a tremendous job covering the New York Giants. Last one for me, because he's an old friend uh, here in Philadelphia, Mike Kapka, you mentioned him earlier, 35 years old. I remember when he came, he was like a fourth-round pick of the Eagles, Andy Reid, and he sort of got entrenched in, you know, basically you're you're going to be a head coach if, if Andy gives you the approval. Yeah. I'm surprised he kind of moved away from Kansas City. I thought that showed a lot. I think he's ready to become a head coach in this league. You mentioned all the interviews. When Jonathan Gannon came here, Paul, Howie Roseman said, we're renting the guy. Turned out to be true. They had him for two years. Is there a similar feel with the Giants and Mike Kafka? Because it seems like he's on the fast track. You know, I don't think there was, John, when they hired him. That's a good question. You know what I mean? He was 34, 35 years old. Yeah. I think they thought they were renting Wink Martindale. You know what I mean? If we have a good year, Wink, you know, you know, he's, he's that next day. I don't think they thought we were renting him per se for a year because – Mike Kafka, let's face it, you know, now he left Kansas City. He wasn't calling the plays in Kansas City, yeah. you know. So, you know, so I thought it was two things. It was it, Brian Dable, you know, as a first year head coach, did some things. You know, it shows he was 47 years old. You know, he had been in the league over 20 years and he did not make the mistakes that these first year guys do. Pick guys, you know, pick guys you're comfortable with. He never worked with Mike Kafka before. And, and not only did he hire him, he had the intention to let him call the plays. Brian Dable was a head coach in the NFL because of his ability to call plays. Yeah. Right? And I love gave, that. I love CEO coaches. Jody will tell it you was that. Great. Oh, yeah. He was, yeah. he was a complete CEO coach. And this was even in his first year, you know, he's going to give up the play calling in his first year. He gave up to a guy he never worked with before. He wasn't his quarterback coach. He wasn't his offensive quality control. He was nothing. So the thing I would say about Kafka is, was he's very low key. So I can't speak to the fact that he's going to get up in front of a room as the head coach 
and and be a kick-ass guy. I just don't know that, you know. Now you don't have to be, but um, I I don't know that he's got he lightened up a little better with us. But look, you know how it is with some of these young offensive coordinators or defensive coordinators when they're not they they are. You have to ask the head coach that. You have to ask the head coach that that you know they just want to stay in their lane and not make any news, oh, right? Oh yeah. And Kafka was a little bit like that, but I will say, um. He has really, I mean, he may disagree with this. He he played at Northwestern, right? And then he was a GA at Northwestern. And then he went to Philly, right? Uh, you know, didn't really play much, bounced around a little bit, got a connection with Andy Reid. Andy Reid hires him at at um at Kansas City, right? He's in Kansas City for several years. He's a quarterback coach for Patrick Mahomes. Then the Giants hire him. He has really faced he, he he's had a very linear, upwardly mobile, no. You know, I don't know. You know, if he's had adversity, I don't see it. As opposed to Brian Dayball, <laughs> yeah. who was hired, who was fired, who's been offensive yeah. coordinator a bunch of places, had to go back to, to Alabama for goodness sakes. So I think, I think Dayball, you can see the scars on him that he was ready to be a head coach. He was not this 35 year old wonderkind. He was a 47 year old hardened. I know what I'm going to do because yeah. I've seen all yeah. the mistakes I made. I don't know what mistakes Kafka's made. Um, he's been, you know, I mean, he, 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 you know, working for Andy Reid. I mean, you know, let's yeah. sign up for this. If you, you know what, it's interesting you say that Paul, cause I heard some of that with Doug Peterson because Doug, mm. you know, long time backup, as we all know, yeah. then he got entrenched with Andy Reid, never left Andy Reid. Why would you leave Andy Reid's staff? That's what impressed me about Mike, Mike Kapka. And there was a lot of criticism here. Well, Doug doesn't know anybody about the assistant coaches. And all of a sudden he wins a Super Bowl. And by the way, now he's turned around another team. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it can work both ways. But I hear what you're saying about the scars of you know Brian Dayball's been through the ringer. I see both ways. But if I'm if I'm next to Andy Reid and I'm an offensive coach, I'm not leaving. Because eventually Eric B. Enemy aside, uh, and there's some other issues there, as we all know, hasn't gotten a head coaching job. But basically, you're anointed when you're at Andy's foot. I was impressed that Mike left. I thought it showed a lot of uh, self-confidence. Yeah, it does. And, and look, and look, I mean, Daniel Jones had his best year in most, you know, by most metrics last year. Right. And that's Dayball and Kafka, you know, and, and him staying healthy. And so second year in the offense, if they do well and, and, and at, 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 you know, at the end of this coming season, if nobody is saying Daniel Jones is way overpaid, Mike Kafka's leaving and getting a head coaching job. There's no question about it. Yeah. P.S. Last one from me. Um, are you going to be able to sell to Mrs. Schwartz when you have to tell her you're going it alone on Black Friday because the Eagles and the Giants <laughs> are playing? That, hey, I could have had to work in Dallas. I might have been in Dallas for the Thanksgiving game, on, And then we wouldn't have even had a dinner. You're going to be able to make Thanksgiving dinner after going to get out and get out early the next day to get to the stadium to watch the Giants and Eagles. Is Mrs. Schwartz going to buy that routine? I was in Dallas last year on Thanksgiving. <laughs> See? Okay? And you know what? And this is what I said. I hate being away on Thanksgiving. Uh, you know, it's awful. I was in Washington one year for Thanksgiving, okay? I didn't have to fly, but I knew, and if any of you guys have been right at AT&T Stadium, I knew at oh, the yeah. very least Jerry Jones would feed me. Oh, right it's now. awesome. Best oh, spread ever. Good the spread. Thanksgiving yeah. meal he put out last year. Was, <laughs> look, I didn't want to be away, but... <clears throat> It cut no corners. Okay. It was like a, like a, 
you know, I like I would say an old fashioned Jewish bar mitzvah or wedding. You know, oh, it was yeah. it was laid out there. Eagles um, fans get mad at me, Paul. I tell them nobody's uh, Jerry's first class. Everything about that place is, you know, it's, is it's first class. I, as far as I'm concerned, they could have the Super Bowl there every year because it's like oh, it, yeah. was, it was built to have a Super Bowl. Well, you know, I was, you, uh, how, how many how many primetime games are the Eagles going to get this year? Uh, five. Uh, the, the limit is six. I think they'll keep one. For flex purposes, keep on one. Well, I I, th- I think it's interesting because the Giants, you know, last year they had one night game scheduled and they had the Thanksgiving game. That's it. They're better this year. They'll have more. But oh, yeah. you have Aaron Rodgers and the Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. The, the Jets may get five or six. They may get five also. Yeah. And so you know, it's going to be interesting how much they maybe don't want to have Giants, Jets, Giants, Jets, Giants, Jets. Although they do play each other this year, so um. Um, look, Jody, what I'm banking on is that they play in Arizona, they play in Vegas, and they play in San Francisco this year. So the Giants have already asked, let's have two of those games back-to-back because we want the option of staying away, okay, which I think the league will give them, and I think the Giants will do that. So what, whatever kind of Friday, you know, Black Friday game I have to go to, I'm trying to see, let's see if we can swing it so – the Giants are away for a week, and maybe my wife can come with me for a week. There you yeah. go. Vegas there or go. San Francisco yeah. or Arizona. Paul, Paul, I say every year, if someone wants my vote and it's an election year, any administration that makes every game 1 o'clock Sunday, <laughs> I'll vote for it. Every game, I want one o'clock Sunday. Yeah, well, I don't want any prime time. The Eagles games. aren't don't have a lot of no, one o'clock no. games on Sundays anymore. I got to cover know. those things. You'll, you'll, you'll be waiting a long time for yes. that to happen, yes. John McMullen. Not yeah. prime time is where the billions of dollars are for the NFL. Oh, they'll be taking every care game of one o'clock four one one o'clock Sunday. Yeah, good good luck. And you know what? Uh, when when the uh, when the Rams won in 1999, right? Nobody thought they would win. No one yeah. knew who the heck Kurt Warner was. Yeah. 15 out of 16 games yep. Sunday at yeah. one. Yeah, so we're now talking 23 years ago. John, I'm going to have to wait that long to get that kind of schedule <laughs> going forward. Paul Schwartz, this was a lot of fun. Thank you much for doing it with us. We will certainly get you back up again as the season gets closer and continue to enjoy your offseason, big guy. Thanks, guys. I enjoyed it. Take care. Paul Thank Schwartz, you, Paul. New York Post, been covering the Giants since about as long as I've been doing radio, which is 30, sneaking up on 30 years. I think Paul's 30th anniversary potentially is next year. Uh, but I've known him since the Albany State days back in the 80s. That's Albany, right. the Great Danes, baby. The Great Danes back then when they were a Division three powerhouse in both basketball and football. They're, I, I even forget what the hell the conference they're in. It's like... The subdivision. It's not top flight division one, but they're division one football and division one basketball. Now, back in the day, they were division three, which, hey, allowed me to play one year of basketball because if they were division one, I was not going to be on Albany squad. I can guarantee you that. He's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald, the Mac and Mac guys, Birds 365. We got BLG, Brandon Lee Gowden, going to join us in less than 20 minutes. So stay right here with us.
Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. Save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech, we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. We thank Paul Schwartz for jumping in. Uh, we will do a commander spot tomorrow. Grant Paulson, uh, great talk show host, and uh, does some red. Uh, I keep wanting to call him the red. Uh, commander stuff, football team, whatever the hell uh, Mr. Harris wants to I change. I think they change name. every year now. <laughs> and they they could change that. It's not going to happen this season because we're too close to the season. But if. If Harris wants to change the name, once he actually gets control of the squad, he can change it again if he wants. Uh, and I'll still call him the Redskins. My apologies for that. Um, but we're going to do a Washington spot tomorrow with Greg Paulson from down in D.C. And then on Thursday, we got our boy John Machota from the Athletic. Uh, Cowboys beat guy on. So we're going to do a little bit of an off-season deep dive on each of the three Eagle opponents over the course, course of the week. 
I, Johnny Mac, uh, don't know if you noticed this last night. Um, I saw a bunch of it after, well, after the show was over and done with last night as I'm prepping to do my WIP show. Uh, we had Jeff Carr on yesterday, and I asked him the same question I asked a couple of our guests at the end of last week with the schedule reveal coming up. Who do you want to see the Eagles play opening week? If you had the power, Roger Goodell said, yeah, you go ahead and pick it. Uh, and you could hand pick the opponent for the Eagles for week number one. We know who the 17 game opponents are going to be and where the game's going to be played. We just don't know when it's going to be played. If I narrowed it down to week number one, who would you want to see? Uh, we got a lot of response after the fact on Twitter too. And thanks for uh, <laughs> following us on Twitter um, with uh, me putting the question to Kerr. And I realized I never put the question to you. I've done it with a couple of different guests, but I haven't gotten your answer to that question. For the best of the Philadelphia Eagles, for the season to play itself out the best that it can, if I, I well, no, maybe I did ask you to play Jeff Laurie rather yeah. than say, John yeah. McMullen, what would you like to do? Uh, so let me ask it directly of you. What would you say the Eagles' best opponent for opening week would be? <clears throat> I would say Kansas City, get it over with. I, I'm a little bit different than last year. You probably remember from last year, I didn't I, I didn't think Detroit was the best matchup because I thought they were going to be a You're bad rolling. team. I, I, was, I, I was wrong on Detroit. They ended up being a pretty good team. I thought they were going to be a bad team, but I think they were headed in the right direction. And my whole thought process was, you know, I don't want to play bad teams when they don't know they're bad yet. Mm-hmm. Um and they didn't know they were bad, and they played really well, and they didn't know they were bad because they weren't bad, even though they started out, and eventually they turned it around. Um, this time, like, the Eagles are going to be a good team. It's just a matter of how good. Um, you know, we we had a little fun with uh, our buddy uh, Peter King yesterday saying, no weaknesses, I'm not going to go that far. No, but they're a really good team. So, you know, at some point they're going to go on a run and win a bunch of games. And, you know, a couple reasons why I would say Kansas City is that, you know, maybe they're not sharp early. I think Jeff brought that up yesterday. Um, and and even if you lose, get it over with, then you go on maybe a run. Um, so I plus the business aspect, when you asked me to be Jeffrey Laurie, um, and from that, because she brought up Arizona, I, I think that's more of a fan thing. Like they want revenge on Jonathan. Like Jeffrey Laurie likes Jonathan. <laughs> I mean, he tried to give him a raise to keep him. So from that standpoint, I don't think Jeff, Jeffrey would prefer the business aspect. And that would be such a big, uh, such a big game. All right. Let me see if I can give me an analogy on my thinking. If we're going down to <clears throat> where's my hand? Ocean right there. If we're getting down to the casino, I don't know how to underline ocean there. Uh, if we, you and I were going down to ocean, what game would you play? If we were going to do a little gambling, what game would you play? Which game? Uh, uh, game of uh, chance at a casino. If you uh, were oh, going, blackjack. going down to casino. Oh, and I, you I go thought you were way, talking I about an NFL right. game. What one you playing? Blackjack, probably. Blackjack. Same thing here. Here's how I look at this uh, question I'm asking you. If you've got two 
um, nines and the dealer's got a seven. The percentages say just take the win. Stay with your 18, uh, <clears throat> cash your chips, make them pay you. The gambler might say, yeah, and if I catch two tens, now I got 19 and he's got a seven. I could I could double my money. I could make twice as much. That's how I look at this situation. Jonathan Gannon and the Arizona Cardinals are that solid 18 with the dealer sitting on a seven. You can <clears throat> rake that money in now. You're going to win. I guess the dealer could turn up an ace and you get a push. But a push isn't even the worst thing in the world. Um, or do you want to gamble a little bit? Do you want to say, let me split these nines and see if I can catch two tens and win on both hands? That's Kansas City. If you win, now you could. You can split the nine to go 10-10 or 10-ace. Boom, you win twice rather than once. Or you could split them and get a three and a four. And you go into Kansas City and get beat again with a couple of walk-in touchdowns with a new defensive. Oh, man. I didn't think about Sean Desai getting beat on walk-in touchdowns. Yeah, I figured out all these permutations. Um, And now if you win, it's great. You're winning twice. You're winning double. But if you lose, it's a little bit painful because you had a win in your hands. If you got a choice, and the Arizona Cardinals, you mentioned Peter King, and I noted this, uh, his uh, early power rankings that the Eagles are the only team without a weakness, number one in a category by themselves, but he's got them listed one to 32. The Eagles play eight of the nine top 10 teams. They are all on their schedule from Peter's top 10 they got a hard schedule. Eagles have a hard schedule, but they also play team number 31 and 32. He's got Arizona dead last, 32nd, worst team in the National Football League. Wait till 2025, not 2024, which is the year after next. Oh, no, you got to wait two years before you're even worthy talking about Jonathan Gannon. And he's got the Bucks, Suns, Tom Brady, led by Baker Mayfield as number 31. So they're playing the top and the bottom of the NFL this year, really tough at the top, nice gifts at the bottom. One of those two gifts is the Arizona Cardinals, and you get them at home. You'd have to go down to Tampa to play the Bucs. That way that is that game scheduled. I want the Cardinals not to boo Gannon because I want to lay up, John. I want to start the season off on the right foot. I want to make sure it gets going uh, exactly the way you want it to. Give me the Cardinals because <laughs> they're going to stink on ice next year. So that would be my choice for the first game of the season. By the way, I would. I think Peter had Tampa Bay last, if I'm correct. Um, no, Arizona last. Oh, Arizona. Tampa last. next I, to last. And the Eagles play both. Of the, they play team yeah. number 31 and number 32. I, I, both I, on I, their schedule next week. Next I would year. put. I would put Tampa Bay last, to be honest. You know who I also think is going to stink on ice? The Rams. Um, and I got them too. I yeah. think Peter had them in the high 20s. Yeah. Might not have and been Arizona. 30, here's the thing about Arizona. And, and you know, forget about Cannon for 10 seconds if these people ever could. But And I don't know when Kyler Murray's going to be back. But Kyler Murray, I think people forget about Kyler Murray. I mean, that guy, he almost beat the Eagles last year. Um, he can make plays. And, you know, that's the reason I put – yeah, the Tampa Bay certainly behind Arizona, and and the Rams. You know Matthew Stafford's obviously aging. Um, 
good quarterback, and I don't know where he's going to be health-wise. So, But that's why I put the clear de- delineation between Tampa as the worst team on the Eagles' schedule. They, they don't have an answer. I mean, Kyler Murray can beat you. Um, and again, I don't know when he's going to be healthy, when he's going to be back. Um, a little bit of a like a more dangerous Justin Beals, who is, even if it's helter-skelter, he might pull a horseshoe out of his you-know-what and make a couple plays and all of a sudden. But, yeah, I mean, the Eagles got to beat that team. I mean, lay up, lay up. But we were a, a lot of people were saying lay up you more than me, but I thought the Eagles would have a relatively, you know, I thought they'd win by 10, 11 in Detroit. A lot of people thought that would be a layup. It was far from a layup. True. Um, Kyler Murray, I think people forget about. That's all I'll say about Arizona. Yeah, um, he's better than Baker Mayfield, although both of them were the number one overall pick in the draft. We kind of forget that because we're a couple of years removed. They were both number one picks in the draft, both coming out of the same uh, university, as a matter of fact. Um, Here's... Maybe it's because I'm already looking ahead. Here's where I may buy into your quota there, John, that Tampa could be worse. Shame on them as an organization. Their big offseason signing is Baker Mayfield? Really? That's what you come away with? You're, you're watching Tom Brady finally walk out the door. And, oh, by the way, he gave you an extra year. If he had walked away after the Super Bowl, you, you had to say, thank you very much, Tom. We appreciate it greatly. No, he stuck around thereafter. He didn't get you back there again, but at least he stuck around for a couple. And he finally decided to retire. And your game plan is, let's go with Baker Mayfield. Maybe we'll give Kyle Trask a chance. And I thought he was a pretty good college quarterback. You should ask Brian Johnson at some point about uh, Trask if uh, you think he can actually wrestle that job away from Baker Mayfield. They didn't draft a quarterback, and they didn't even sign a quarterback as an undrafted free agent. They only got two QBs in camp right now. Uh, what What is Tampa thinking? I think Tampa's got a t- uh, 53-man roster, Compare their roster to Arizona. I think Tampa's got the better roster, but certainly Arizona's got the better quarterback. Does Tampa even have a quarterback in your mind at this point? Well, I have two, as you mentioned, by definition. Can either uh, of them play? Legitimate uh, starting quarterback no. in the National well, When I say I'm, do they have a quarterback, I mean, do they have a legitimate starting quarterback in the National Football League? I think they have a bottom five starting quarterback. I think Baker Mayfield, we always say, yeah, I think Baker Mayfield is one of the best 32 quarterbacks in the world, but there aren't 32 great starters. I think he's bottom five. So depends on your definition. Is he a legit starting quarterback? Yes, but he's not a good starting quarterback. Kyle Trask, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know what to think of Kyle Trask. And they still have some good players, obviously. And and uh, Mike Evans yeah, the is still there. Put up some numbers with those wide receivers. Yeah, the Giants, Giants wish they had the Bucks wide receivers. Yeah. Um, so there's still the remnants of, of sort of that Super Bowl team. And I think Peter's the one who said it was worth it. You know, you get that Super Bowl championship and you got to take a a step back. But they're going to take a step back. They're not going to be very good. And, um, yeah, I, if you're asking me the biggest layup on on, on the Eagles' schedule, projected schedule, I, I would say Tampa. 
would yeah, be the Tampa, biggest Tampa's layup. on the road. Arizona's coming to Philadelphia. That's true, too. In uh, fact, the um, home field advantage, uh, I'd say Arizona. I know uh, Gannon's your guy, and I do more defending of Gannon than uh, questioning Gannon, but the Cardinals are going to be bad. And, oh, by the way, the question is first game of the season, which guarantees Murray's not going to play, or pretty much does. I don't think he's going to be back for the beginning of the season. Yeah, well, if he's not there, if he's not playing, yeah, then it's definitely – Arizona's definitely the biggest layup Um I'm assuming it's going to be later in the season. He's going to be there. Um, and yeah, I just think people forget about Kyler Murray because last year wasn't a great year, obviously for him, but the year before that, I mean, people were raving about him talking. He's a top 10 quarterback. He's getting the big money deal. You know, they started out whatever nine and one that year. Remember how they started out nine and one. Everybody was like, Oh, he's a oh I, I had him going to the Super Bowl 45 yeah. to one. I took a flyer out. I'm going, yeah, Can I actually hit this. Do and, I, have a chance I, I, I meant I, it's amazing to me how quickly people turn. Now he can't play. No, he can play. He can play. Now, is he frustrating at times? Yeah. We, we know all the stories about he doesn't do the off the field work and all that kind of stuff. But he's stinking talented, man. And one of those things about those undersized quarterbacks and everybody's questions on Bryce Young, and I think Bryce has got a chance to be a really good quarterback, but do not compare the athleticism of Bryce Young with Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray is different when it comes to that kind of stuff. He's running around like that that big play down the field where he runs around. for It's like a Randall Cunningham play. Uh, Was it Hopkins he hit down in the end zone? He is really gifted, and I just feel like people forget about him. I, 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 it's amazing how quickly people turn. He is gifted and can do certain things with the football that I don't know any other quarterback, including Jalen Hurts, including Lamar Jackson, can do. But my knock on Kyler Murray's always been the same thing, field awareness. He just isn't in command out there in the football field. And, oh, by the way, Philadelphia Eagle fans, don't forget, if he knew where the sticks were, in the game between the Cardinals and the Eagles yeah. this year, he almost they, could beat have lost, they could have lost that game, but he didn't know where the first down was and slid down short of it, which meant yes. they had to go field goal, and the Eagles had the better replacement kicker than the Cardinals had the yeah, replacement kicker. Yeah, I was going to say, and, and you're that was right. the difference in that game. And you're right, Kyler made a big mistake, but even if they had a decent kicker, you know, we, we, yeah, we, but see, yeah. that's field awareness. You got to know you've got a substitute kicker that you don't know he's going to make this kick or not. Oh, I'm not excusing it, but I'm just saying that was a really bad team last year against a really good Eagles team, and they almost beat them. They, they were in a position. So, I mean, that all this is the NFL. Um, and, you know, everybody's got good players. I say it all the time. And anybody can beat anybody. It's proven every year. But I agree with you. There's three layups on this schedule, projected schedule to me, and that's Tampa, Arizona, and the L.A. Rams. Those are, to me, the three layups. And I don't think Washington's going to be very good, but I'm not talking in the division. Right. But the thing about Washington is you can get them at home. You can get Tampa at home, the Rams and the Cardinals. Uh, Cardinals and Washington would be on Washington's away too, but the Rams are an away game as well. And here's the thing about Washington. I'm a little tempted by Washington. We kind of forget that was one of the Eagles' losses last year. Washington came here. Eagles kind of shot themselves in the foot as much as Washington beat them. 
but Washington act did actually only loss with Jalen Hurts. Only loss, which yeah, until the Super Bowl. Right. Only loss. So they kind of owed the commanders one, getting them week one, sticking it to them at the link. Might not be a bad uh, way to go. And I did this uh, last night on WIP since I saw as many people respond to it on Twitter after we discussed it here on Birds 365. Number one choice was Cardinals. They want Gannon coming to town. Well, well, I could have told you that. A layup plus the chance to boo Jonathan Gannon. Yeah. Yeah, that got the most votes. All right, I vote for Brandon Lee Gowton joining us next. Are you in with that, McMullen? Yeah, BLG. I'm that? excited. All give right. Me, give me, he's in the green room already. Give me the BLG. It's, there we go. A, oh, and did, whoa, whoa, whoa. was it the Hall of Fame? When did RVD? Oh, no, for the draft. Yeah. The WWE draft. Yeah. They brought him back. Yeah. RVD got to announce picks. I loved sure. every minute of it. All right, BLG, not RVD. Brandon Lee Gowton joining us next here on Birds 365. Weather forecasting is a team game. We rely on each other every day, updating the models and passing along new critical information. We have a team of five experienced meteorologists and a specialized weather producer, Paul. Say hi, Paul. Sometimes what I see in the model, Cecily could see something different. That's when we come together as a team to make our most accurate prediction. And all of this backed by more than 100 AccuWeather scientists. It's a team game. And we have the best team in town. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Celebrating the life of your loved one is what we do at Life Celebrations by Givnish. When the matriarch of the Dalloway family died suddenly at 82 years old, Life Celebrations by Givnish stepped in. They will make this the easiest thing that you... I know it's not easy, but they will make this as easy as possible. Life Celebrations by Givnish. Customizing services as unique as the individual. I I just know that my dad, who is in charge of everything, was was not in charge of anything at that point when when my mom passed. And uh, uh, again, just another uh, shout out to this place for for making it easy. Turning tragedy into a celebration of life, no matter how hard, is what we do at Life Celebrations by Givnish. Life Celebrations by Givnish. Customizing services as unique as the individual. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles.
Streaming into your living room. We thank you for that. With John McMillan, I'm Jody McDonald. And there he is, BLG, Brandon Lee Gowton of Bleeding Green Nation, who got to hang out with John McMillan last week at the Eagles uh, rookie camp. Anything jump out to you other than it was good to catch up with a bunch of your fellow beat guys, BLG? <laughs> well, John will tell you that I was not there, Jody. Uh, well, you didn't go? What the hell? Yeah, no, look, hey, sometimes the offseason gets crazy here behind the scenes. Uh, a lot of things happening but, uh, behind uh, the curtain at uh, yeah. Bleeding Green Nation okay. that I wasn't All able right. to go. My apologies. Uh, 15 minutes of Austin Prohl you missed, uh, <laughs> BLG. Uh, son of Ricky. Uh, That's right. Runs good routes, though. There's my uh, rookie camp update for you. <laughs> okay, yeah. Run, runs sharp routes, which should be no surprise. But, uh, yeah, it, it's a necessary uh, evil rookie camp as we – we go through the process. You know, I think the more interesting part was Nick Sirianni talking afterwards. And I'm sure you saw the transcript sort of back and forth with uh, our buddy Tim McManus about Chandler <laughs> Carter's conditioning. I, I wrote over at Sports Illustrated, uh, Brandon, that uh, Nick could have handled that better. And, of course, Eagles fans shat upon me uh, because of the, you're not cheerleading. You're not doing your job. But. I, you know, why is he talking about seven-on-seven seven drills? Why didn't he just say, because last time I looked, BLG, defensive linemen aren't on, in seven-on-seven seven drills ever. Mm, so what does right. that have to do with anything? Why didn't he just say, not worried about it, and, and close the book on it? Yeah, I think sometimes what's most revealing is what people don't say. <laughs> and then I, I thought that was kind of uh, – Weird for Nick Sirianni to say what he did say. Um, I guess, you know, it's hard to have the panic meter too high when the reality is it is May and there's four months until a game is a meaningful and game. By the way, he looks fine. That's right. not the point. I just think it was a weird way of handling sure, it. For yeah. sure. Yeah. And then and exactly to that point, uh, it does get a little weird when you're not just like, hey, we're not really worried about anything right now. Uh, it's four months till we play a game. Everyone's looking good and don't even really feed into it. All right. Uh, speaking of being shat upon, <laughs> will Nicholas Uh-oh. Morrow shat upon both John McMullen and Jody McDonald by coming in here and making us forget about the Eagles starting linebackers like DJ Edwards last year? Or will we be moaning the one position that Howie Roseman didn't properly fill during this offseason? Yeah, I think the precedent is that uh, expectations have to be kept pretty low considering what the Eagles' history is, especially under Howie Roseman when it comes to these free agent bargain bin linebacker signings. You know, Kaiser White kind of stood out as the exception last year, but again, they also kind of paid more for him. A little bit more, yeah. It was worth up to $5 million. Um, so that's a little bit more than they had spent on the likes of Corey Nelson and LJ Ford and Paul Warlow and uh, Eric Wilson and so on. So, um, you know, I think there's it's not even a guarantee that Morrow makes the team. So when that's kind of the floor, I can't say uh, to expect great things, but I do. There is a path to he comes in. He looks competent. He can be a stopgap for you for one year. Was that the 1927 Yankees BLG or or the bargain bin linebackers, the Eagles? Have had? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it's funny that they forget all the bad. Oh, we can get by at this position. But, you know, I'm sure you saw Peter King 
What what was the exact wording, Jody? No weaknesses. Yeah, what, what, they what, have what, no weaknesses. They have no weaknesses. Um, the expectations around this team are just, dare I say, unrealistic. Um, when you start throwing around no weaknesses, and Peter's just one guy, but uh, you know it's been pretty much across the board. Oh, the Eagles are doing this. The Eagles are doing that. And they just came off a Super Bowl loss, which wasn't good enough, you know, that, you know, they were there, but it wasn't good enough, especially defensively with Sean Desai, who we finally saw in the wild, mm. but we haven't talked to him. Um, can they live up to these expectations, I guess is what I'm asking. Yeah, I don't like the idea that. <laughs> Any team really doesn't have weaknesses. That's that's the NFL is set up to where you do because there are salary cap constraints and there's a cyclical nature of the league and there's so much worse to first and first to worst each year. So that's just not, I think, reality when you say they have no weaknesses or even a few. Um, they certainly have a lot of question marks, things that you know might not be an issue but could be. Uh, so you know, I think they're to go from where they are, a team that lost the Super Bowl. It's kind of, again, already crazy that you would not have them as your number one team and, you know, power rankings don't really matter at the end of the day. But, you know, it's just you're coming into the season. I feel like you kind of have to give the reigning Super Bowl champs who actually won the benefit of the doubt a little bit more than every other team. And, uh, you know, for the Eagles to be right there, it's hard. It's so hard to climb the mountain like that. Again, it doesn't mean it can't be done. But to merely expect it to happen. That's my thing. In a division where there hasn't even been a repeat winner since 2004, like that's just not guaranteed. I know the conference is weak. I think they have a good chance to go back, but you know, things happen. And sometimes, you know, what if it's the Eagles this year uh, in the championship game where their quarterback gets knocked out instead of them doing it to the opponent? You know, there's so many yeah. things that are yeah. like luck and injuries along the way um, that you need to be good, but you also need the bounces to go your way. Uh, the way that Peter phrased it was can't find a weakness. Mm. So he didn't really zero in at linebacker, but that's just <laughs> my, my read on it. But I got no problem with the Eagles being number one over Kansas city. Cause even though the Eagles lost a lot of free agents, BLG, I actually think they've had a better off season than Kansas city has. Um, they lost a couple of guys who contributed on the outside to them, Juju Smith-Schuster and um, McCall Hardman. Mm -hmm. um, they've got some young guys, and we'll see if uh, they can step up and replace those guys. But they lost a key offensive line starter. I guess you can say the Eagles did too as well. Um, do you think the needle moved enough during this offseason that Peter King will not be the only one to rate the Eagles ahead of the Chiefs, even though they lost to him in the Super Bowl last year. I don't think he'll be the only one. You know, the the fact that the Eagles did have, on paper at least, a very exciting and I think promising draft is certainly going to give them an edge. And we know the way how he makes moves that he can still make a trade or two, and that'll kind of give them some extra juice potentially. Uh, certainly not done adding to the roster at any point really leading up to the beginning of the season. And then I guess even up until the trade deadline, really. Um, so uh, I would not be surprised, but again, I have to give the team that actually won it the benefit of the doubt. I think you made some fair points there, Jody. And I don't think it's like the chiefs are heads and shoulders above the Eagles, but I think <laughs> the fact that they were able to get it done um, something to be said for that. 
on the draft you brought it up blg i don't think we we haven't talked to you since the the hall uh that howie roseman uh was given his flowers for i'm on board with jalen carter at number nine overall i think that's tremendous value i think arguably you get the best positional player in the draft um then I look at, at the third round, 65 and 66, because other than Carter, I think those guys, uh, Tyler Steen, Sidney Brown, they, they're going to be given the opportunity to play right away. And in the case of Sidney Brown, I would, I would, I would pencil him in as a starter mm. right now. Um, comfortable with that? I uh, can't say comfortable from the standpoint of, you know, I don't know what to make of a rookie at safety. I think that's a position, as our old friend Jim Schwartz liked to say, between safety and linebacker, you know, those are spots where it can take guys time to adjust. And honestly, that's a lot of positions, I think, but especially one like that where there's so much going on above the shoulders. And Sidney Brown seems like a promising uh, and, and um, you know, a guy with a lot of potential. Um, but uh, I think it's kind of really neck and neck there because I thought Reed Blankenship did some good things last year. I'm really interested to see if he can kind of make a jump in year two. And then Terrell Edmonds, I think he's getting slept on a little bit here. Not to say he's going to be kind of some kind of Pro Bowl addition or this year's Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, um, but Steelers fans are sad to see him go. Like He had a nice season for Pittsburgh last year, and they actually wanted him back. So I'm not just ready to count him out and say he doesn't belong in the mix. And Sidney Brown is definitely going to be over him when he's an experienced starter. Well, I'm kind of real quick, uh, BLG. I'm kind of starters are and pencil. We'll mm-hmm. go Chip Kelly. You want Jim Swartz? I'll go put get okay. the pencil out. Uh, Sidney Brown and Terrell Edmonds. I don't think Reed Blankenship is mm. going to be the starter. Wow. That's, that's my thought process. I think it's probably the best battle on the roster. I think that's all very close. And I think that it's a true battle too. You know, we see some of these battles like we've seen in years past, just, I don't know, for example, like when Andre Dillard was competing for the starting yeah, left tackle yeah, job and yeah. my lot of clearly won it by like day two of camp. And then uh, Sidney Jones in theory was competing for a starting cornerback spot, except it was Maddox every day in practice. So I think this is a real battle. Uh, speaking of battles, well, it's not really a battle. It's a decision more than anything else. Uh, we haven't had you on since the Eagles acquired DeAndre Swift, mm. which I thought was a good track suggested it here on Bleeding Green Nation on the Friday before the Saturday that they made the deal. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I'm a fan of the move, bringing a homeboy home. Miles Sanders got 71% of the carries by Eagle running backs last year, not counting Jalen Hurts plays that he ran the ball. But if a running back ran it, 71% of the time was Miles Sanders. So they got some replacing to do. How do you think it's going to break out? Knowing Rashad Perry's Penny's talents, yeah. but also his uh, injury history, uh, the addition of Swift. Some people, because Kenny Gainwell had that really good game against the Giants in the postseason, thinking he's going to be their number one back next year. Yeah, no. Um, how do you think they divvy up the carries that Miles got last year once the season gets underway between the running backs on the roster? It's a great question. It's kind of a cop-out to say, but it, like, it really all depends on Penny's health, right? Because like, if he's healthy for 17 games, which it's just, just a very low chance of that happening based on his track record. Um, but if he is, then I think it's a pretty even split between those two guys, or at least um, not too big of a difference. And potentially Penny leading the way on that. I think it could be a, a, you know, ride the hot hand kind of thing. 
with those guys. Um, but I'm expecting Penny to be unavailable for some kind of stretch here. Maybe not a season-ending injury, but you know, maybe we're talking about missing six games or so, uh, or if not all at once throughout the season. So in that sense, I think you have to go likelihood. I think Swift might be more likely just because even though he's had his injury issues of his own, um, he has certainly been more available than Rashad Penny <clears throat> has. Um, but I think you're looking at kind of a – you know, a shared rotation there. I don't think one guy, barring injury, is going to be way, way, way out in front of the others there, at least in terms of carries. Now, touches is kind of a different conversation because mm-hmm. of the fact that Swift can catch passes. Um, but again, I don't think the Eagles are suddenly going to a running back heavy targeted offense when you have the guys at wide receiver and tight end that they do. Yeah, to kind of further that, that's why I think um, the micro is more important than the macro. So I'll ask it at I'll ask it this way for you, BLG. Um, if Rashad Penny's healthy for eight games, mm-hmm. you know, in those eight games, is he getting 71% of the running touches in, in those eight games? Like, I don't care about the end game. You got to get Miles carries. But if he's not there for eight games, he's not involved. Mm-hmm. I would think he's got to be the guy. He's got to be the lead back when he is healthy. I think he is, and but I also think the Eagles are very cognizant of not wanting to put too much on his plate, um, and with the thought that hey, we want we need this guy and want this guy to be available for the games that matter most late in the year. So I think they're going to be very judicious about not like for example, I don't you know we're, I don't think we're seeing Penny or really Swift getting twenty carries per game. That's really never the Eagles really never did that. Miles Sanders, <laughs> yeah. what was his career high in carries for a game here? Like 24 or something? Yeah, like it was, yeah 20 a couple times. Yeah, yeah and, that, and those were rare. So I think that's what we're looking at. Yeah, I think that's an excellent point. They might protect Penny from the potential injury by not giving him the football that much. All right, another crystal ball question for you, BLG. If uh, Dallas Goddard, we know, is going to be the Eagles' number one tight end and is going to play as much as his – uh, availability is there. Hopefully it's 17 out of 17 games. How do the other tight ends line up for the Philadelphia Eagles when we get to uh, opening week? Are they going to carry four tight ends? Is it going to be three? And if they only carry three, who are those three guys going to be in your mind? Yeah, I think, you know, it depends on uh, injuries and whatnot throughout training camp. I think you add um, Arnold like they did. Yeah, Dan uh, Arnold. God, Dan Arnold. that. <laughs> uh, for some insur- uh, injury insurance policy there. Um, but I don't think Jack Stoll is like top liver to this team by any means. Uh, my co-host on BGN Radio, Jimmy Kemsky, likes to point out like when the Eagles are resting players late in the year, like Jack Stoll is like one of those guys. <laughs> um, they like him as their number two tight end as a blocker. So, you know, I think he's has a good chance to make this team. And then to me, you look at skill sets and Grant Calcaterra, and Dan Arnold are kind of similar uh, in terms of more pass-catching, friendly guys. So I think it's kind of more those, so those guys battling out. Um, I think you kind of lean Calcaterra if it's close because he's younger. Uh, you think he might have more upside. Um, but I think, you know, Arnold has a real chance if he has a strong summer to make the roster. Yeah, I, I, I was surprised by that signing, PLG. Uh, Maybe I put too much into it, but I thought the same as you. I said, maybe they're not as happy with Grant Calcaterra as people think. Um, I don't think it has anything to do with Jack Stoll. He's, yeah. you know, sort of the backup blocking tight end, if you want to call it that. Um, 
Or is it just, you know, bring in another body in case Grant Calcaterra doesn't take that step forward? An injury to, you know, like last year, Calcaterra almost missed the entirety uh, other than like a couple practices there, training camp and the preseason. Um, he's had a extensive concussion history as well. So I think you're kind of guarding against that. And, uh, you know, just adding another guy. And, it, and it's possible they keep four. They could if um, they don't really like their numbers at another position. It's not really crazy to think that they could keep a fourth tight end or or maybe you keep him on the practice squad and elevate him uh, in certain situations like they kind of did at least early on last year with Noah Tangiai. Um So, yeah, I just think it's a good depth addition. Tyler Steen jumps right in at right guard for the rookie minicamp. Yeah, Cam Jurgens wasn't there because he's not a rookie anymore. He was last year, but I'm sure he took notice of that. How good a competition is that going to be at right guard for the Eagles this year between those two young uh, offensive linemen? I feel like there <laughs> is not a consensus on this amongst Eagles media and fans alike. I think there's varying opinions on, oh, this yeah. is actually just Cam Jurgens' job and Tyler Steen's here, but you know he's not actually seriously going to push him. I don't know about that. Um, you know, you take a guy at 65 overall, like you can be like, okay, they're not going to sit Jurgens for two years in a row. Yeah, but also, okay, Steen's a fairly high pick here. And it, and he actually, I think, projects better to guard potentially. He doesn't have the experience, but neither does Cam Jurgens. He's not played guard extensively by any means. Yeah. So I think it's a real competition. And I also think that I know uh, Samalo wasn't the biggest guard. Um, and I think his bigger size... Bigger than will, Cam. I, yeah, I but bigger than Cam, exactly. Yeah. And, I, and I, I wonder if the Eagles are truly comfortable and some of the Eagles offensive linemen specifically when you have an already kind of undersized center and Jason Kelsey and putting another guy kind of like that right next to Kelsey. Um, you know, I, I think it's a true battle there. And I think Steen has a chance to win that job. Yeah. They had it uh, for years with Brandon Brooks. That was the thought process. All right. We have an undersized center. So let's have big guards and obviously Landon is big. Mm -hmm. uh, Tyler Steen would fit that mold as well. I'm with you. Plus, Nick Sirianni, very said he doesn't yeah. shut it down. He's yep. had plenty of opportunities to shut it down. Yep. He doesn't shut it down. I think that says something as well. Um, you're a numbers guy, so I'm going to go <laughs> numerology with you. Yes. Um, they took Aaron Sipas's number away. Mm. <laughs> they gave it to Marcus Mariota, which mm -hmm. is understandable. Whatever. Sure. Um. They made him share number 10 mm. with Tanner McKee. That's mm. not a good sign. However, BLG, they gave the new punter, <laughs> Ty Zetner, mm -hmm. number 49. That's I don't know right. what to think other than it's anybody's job. Mm. And they'll be changing numbers whenever they decide the punter. It is weird to, to see, um, you know, an established player like Sipos, even though, yeah. you know, share a number with a, a six-round quarterback that you yeah. it's just it's it's curious uh and having to change it to do it as well uh yeah. so the sharing it, part the change doesn't bother me the okay. sharing bothers yes me. agree yes. yeah but i think when you layer them that's even you know it raises yeah. a lot of questions and um i mean look i put this very simply like the end of the eagles last two seasons their last two playoff losses Aaron Sipos played a major factor in those, both of those, not the only reason they lost, not maybe the main reason, but he played a significant role in each of those. Um, so am I supposed to be surprised if it would happen a third season? Like, I, I just, I think it's a little tough to 
count on him once again. I don't know if for sure if Zentner is actually like real competition. Um, it seems like he has some upside, but I don't really know that he's like has a great chance of unseating Sipas in this role. So um, if I'm the Eagles, I'm you know I, I I bring in Zentner sure because I think you need to have someone in camp every day pushing Sipas, but I'm also looking at all the other options yeah, out that's there. That's what I was going to ask. But, Is it going to yeah. be Sipas, Zetner, or TBD to be determined? I'll take the field at this point. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Yes. And I told uh, Brandon when I asked him if he could come on the show with us, I was going to give him a hard time because he did an entire posting on every number the <laughs> Eagles right. gave out to their new players and what it means and what it should have been and the like. That's right. Man. This guy puts effort in. If he's breaking down <laughs> and giving analysis to number giveouts, he's got too much time. Well, it, it does. It there are points now. Some I think sometimes it's overrated, but sure. um, there are points when you get a bad number. It tells you, you know, you're not relevant in the team's eyes. Um, on the other hand, as I mentioned yesterday on the show, Brandon, as a PSA, you should tell people if they want to buy jerseys. Hold up, because some mm. of the rookies, you know, who knows? Nolan Smith might walk into Jake Elliott and say, "Hey, I'll give you ten grand for number four, so I don't have to uh, get a number three chain." He's got a really right. nice number four chain. Don't buy that Nolan Smith jersey just yet. <laughs> I I tell the story. I used to cover Randy Moss in Minnesota. People forget he started out in training camp as a rookie with number eighteen. And the people are buying the Moss jerseys and bang, 84 uh, when they get to the regular season. Just be very, very cautious, fans. And and always buy the throwback. That's how you fix that. Sure. Yeah. I think there's something you, you could argue, you know, okay, you're one of the OGs. You know, you got in on the ground right. floor, like a Shady McCoy uh, 29 well, that's jersey. True. You can example. always spin it. Yeah. But yeah, I, so if, that, yeah, but was that you know. Shady's early number 29? I didn't yeah. even know that. Yep, 29 before he went again, to 25. I, yep. I told John this yeah. yesterday, I don't give a flying fart about numbers. <laughs> I really don't. I, I, I had to read your whole uh, post because I can't believe he's putting this much analysis into what number a guy wears. I don't even care. Uh, I should have, shame on me, I should have got the uh, number two Jalen Hurts jersey because that's mm. going to become a collector's item. Right. He's going to be so good as number one for so long. It's like, yeah, but I got number two, and this exactly. is the real So, uh, yeah, we're making too much of numbers. Let's go back to talking football. I haven't asked you yet if you were Jeff Laurie and mm -hmm. Roger Goodell called you today and said, listen, we got it all written out, but I'm willing to change for you. Because I love you, Jeffrey. You're a great guy and you're charitable and everything else. If you want to dictate your first game of the season, I'll let you make a swap. If you don't like the one we've got attributed to you right now, we'll let you change it out. If you're Jeff Laurie, what's the best opening game for the Eagles this year? Hmm. Well, if I'm answering as Jeff Lurie, I have a different answer maybe than Brandon Lee Gowton. Give me Lee both. Gowton. Give me Jeff Lurie first. Okay, Lurie should want to see the Chiefs because I think you got to get it out of the way. Um, if this game is happening like later in the calendar, it's just like, okay, the Super Bowl was a long time ago. Let's just get that out of the way because it's really not that interesting of a game other than like the obvious Super Bowl angle. But in terms of it's in the opposite conference, it doesn't really is. It's literally the least meaningful, one of the least meaningful games in terms of like the impact yeah. of tiebreakers. Well, that's and true too. Yeah. So yeah. like, I, I just think there's more narrative juice than there is actual juice to the game. And I think it would kind of just be nice to get it right out of the way. 
And then Brandon Lee Gowton's answer is the Cowboys, because I don't think the Eagles have played the Cowboys in week one since like early 2000. It's overdue. It never happens. And I think, and it won't happen because of the networks and whatever, but I think it would just be a fun, I think the best way to start a a season potentially, you know, is to set the tone with a division win. And I think it'd be really interesting to see that. You know, I didn't think of that, uh, Brandon. Yeah. Um, I should have. For us, I I would say Washington. Let's get the help. Let's get FedEx out of the way early. Bang! I want it out of the way. I don't want to. I don't want to be thinking about that FedEx trip in December. The See, problem- that's, that's why I love John. When I ask John a question, most times he immediately goes to what the Eagles are thinking. Yeah, right. And he can't separate. I said, No, I'm asking you, John, not what the <laughs> Eagles are thinking. He can't do that. But if you're talking about start times, oh, McMullen is now a yeah. focus. What's <laughs> best for John? One McMullen? o'clock. That's the only thing that matters. One o'clock, 17 times. That he can do that. That he can take himself out of. Yes. Well, listen, one o'clock Sunday. No, no, no. He's got what's best for John McMullen on FedEx out of the way. One well, the last Sunday. thing I want to say real quick on the Cowboys is that, like, there's so, been so many Eagles-Cowboys games that have had no meaning and late in the season in Week 18. True. It's week, like Week 18. Put one in Week 1, so it's meaningful. And you get Jalen Hurts yeah. versus Dak Prescott. All right, yeah. so here's the key. Uh, Going to tick John McMullen off right away. Sunday night, Eagles-Cowboys. If Eagles-Cowboys, you got to go Sunday night, don't you? Yeah, you could. You should. Got to go primetime. You're going to make one of those two Eagles-Cowboys game primetime for sure. Mm-hmm. You might as well do week one, right? I would be I'd be up for it other than, uh, yeah, I don't like primetime games either for, for selfishly for our sake. Um, they should move them up to, I don't know, you know, at least seven thirty something, move the schedule up a little bit. We don't, we don't need to cater to the West Coast that much, but uh, alas. All right. At Brandon Galton, make sure you follow uh, BLG on Twitter, Bleeding Green Nation, uh, the Grand Poobah at Bleeding Green Nation, managing editor, does a tremendous job there. Um, uh, ESPN just came out. Uh, Eagles have toughest schedule in the NFL, blah, blah, blah. We all know there's worse to first. It's meaningless at this point, but I think there's three layups on this schedule, maybe four, but I, I kind of put the Washington commanders aside. I think uh, they don't look very good to me, but mm-hmm. I look at Arizona at home and two road games, Tampa Bay, the LA Rams. Are people over a little bit too scared of this schedule on paper? I mean, the AFC East looks tough. Mm-hmm. The NFC West, San Francisco, Seattle look good. Uh, Minnesota is probably going to take a step back. I don't yep. think it's as difficult as people are projecting it to be. Yeah, I think, you know, if you're going by, I'm guessing the ESPN thing yeah, you cited just, is, yeah. is um, strength of schedule, right? It's not like projected yes. win total. I'm a little, exactly. yeah, I'm always a little more interested in, you know, projected win total, yeah, strength yeah. of schedule. I think, you know, I think Vegas knows a little bit more <laughs> about things than, um, you know, what happened last year necessarily. Um, look, uh there's a lot of changes here we have to see if the new defensive coordinator um you know can actually maybe hold up against some of these better quarterbacks a little bit uh that'll be a big test uh but you know like if they're going to be one of these better teams um then you know i don't it doesn't matter who's on your schedule and especially if you're one of the best in your conference you know you have to figure it out here you can't just and i don't think the Eagles did just benefit last year from playing an easier schedule because they beat the snot out of those teams and there's that's not an easy thing to do um so uh you know 
I, I think it's it's not just about the total opponents too. It's about looking at the schedule here. Do they get disadvantaged, you know, having to play on short rest a lot? You know, when's the bye? All those kind of things are important. By the way, real quick, uh, great quarterbacks, because that's been the narrative. <laughs> but, uh, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers. There's no other great quarterback on the schedule. Unless you want to go down the Dak Prescott and Geno Smith. Her cousins and Geno Smith. I mean, all right. Three and and mm-hmm. kind of makes sense when you're playing great quarterbacks. It's more difficult to play against them than <laughs> non-great quarterbacks. Well, yeah. it, it it depends on how the schedule shakes out because they could be facing an undefeated quarterback in Brock, Brock Purdy if they play the <laughs> 49ers in the second half of the season. So we'll put him into the mix, uh, or at least I will. I you know I will, and we know John won't. Uh, last one for me, BLG. So the selfie. You and Paul Weed, is there any truth to the rumor that a referee blew the whistle and called a foul on Paul Reed when you and he took the selfie together? Because he's still being treated like a rookie by the referees in this league. Completely unfair the way they handle him. Did he foul you for that selfie? Oh, he did not. But um, love B-Ball Paul. Um, You mean... Just it's crazy how he's been one of Embiid's best backups already. Um, but love B-Ball Paul. And uh, the Sixers series, the Sixers Celtic series, taking years off my life, man. These games, I mean, oh my gosh. Uh, All right, pivotal game five. Who you yeah. got? I, uh, uh, Where are you watching? Uh, it sounds to me like you're working too hard on Bleeding Green Nation. Are you carving out the two and a half hours tonight to make sure you watch that game? Oh, yeah. I'm watching all of these. And all I right. think, here's what I'll say. It's going to game seven. And I think it's going to be like overtime game seven. That's my prediction wow. for the series. All right. Damn, that would be great. Uh, this it, Who's going to make the shot that's going to bounce on the rim four times oh. before it falls through the hoop in game number seven for oh. the Celtics? This it's year? Marcus Smart. Yeah, probably. <laughs> BLG, it is always a pleasure, buddy. Appreciate you jumping in with us. We'll get you back up again in a couple of weeks. Thanks for doing it, bud. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, Brent. Brandon Lee Gowton, Bleeding Green Nation. So let me <clears> get this straight. He can put the Bleeding Green Nation stuff aside to watch the Sixers and the Celtics, but he couldn't make it to rookie camp because there was too much sp- too stuff Too much to do. Up. Well, part of that is watching the Sixers, evidently. He's got to prioritize, But real man. quick, you're not really... I got it. I can't I can't let that go. I get what you're saying. You're poking at you're not really putting Brock Purdy in the Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes category. Of course not, because he's played not even <laughs> All a right, I was season. just checking. But I was but just but I was just checking. What happens if he's back week four and he come back comes back and wins seven straight games? And the Eagles are playing the 49ers in week 13 and Brock Purdy in regular season games is 12 and 0 and 2 and 1 in playoff games with the loss being a game that he got hurt in the first quarter. You well, have to, yeah. you'd have to if give him props goes, at that point. Would you not or just go, oh shit, not a full season yet. We, we don't know what Brock Purdy is. No, I w- if he's 12 and 0 as a starter, I will give him proper deference, but I was just making sure we're not going. We're not going that far. Putting them on, you know, MVPs. How many MVPs you got between Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers, and obviously Josh Allen. Good, but Brock Purdy's got the same number of MVPs as Jalen Hurts. They would be tied at zero. So if we're going to just decide it by MVP, oh, now you're going to anger that you're going to get shat upon. I, don't yeah, I'm not going to really make that care. comp either. Jalen Hurts. 
I'm going to go out on a limb, Jody. Jalen Hurts is better than Brock Purdy. You were the one who said it's decided by MVPs. I didn't do that. You did that. And I'm just giving you the scorecard of the two teams that they're matching That's up week true. number 11. Zero, number zero. of MVPs, Jalen Hurts, Brock Purdy, zero apiece. All right. Let's go MVP runner-ups. Uh, then uh, that would be one nothing uh, uh, game. Also, how about Heisman runner-ups? Uh, we'll also go one nothing, Jalen Hurts. He was the runner well, up. Or for the we Heisman. could go winning percentage in the regular season. Oh, that would be Brock Purdy. So there are certain categories where Brock yeah. Purdy has been hey, better than Jalen. I'm going to give you credit because you're the one who's going to get shat upon today. Not I, me. The, the entire uh, National Football League, the only guy who's with me is Marty. Had Marty on yesterday. And he, like me, thinks that Brock Purdy hadn't gotten enough credit for what he did last year until. He got hurt against Eagles in the NFC Championship game. All right, McMullen, McDonald coming back. We got to put a ball in the show. We're almost out of time. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement. But would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go first! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. All right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really, don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready, all right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left, fake a mom. Mama, go up, mama! She did it. Again? You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh-huh.
Nakamak Tide for the Bowen Show here on Birds 365. All right, tomorrow, um, Grant Paulson uh, from Sports Talk Radio down in WDC uh, down in Washington going to jump in with us. I wonder if Grant will admit that he knew that the commanders were this close. All right, well, maybe it was this close to getting Andrew Luck as their quarterback last year. I yeah, love how that. How about story. that? That's a crazy story. Oh, um, man. How, how, yeah. How bad is that? You mentioned earlier the layups on the uh, schedule this upcoming year. The, call them what you want, Commanders, Redskins, football team. Are they going to be a non-dumpster fire when they finally get well, that? Well, you know, from a football standpoint, I don't like their offseason at all. Um, but, you know, from that organizational standpoint, it was a huge win. Because they got rid of Daniel Snyder. That's all. Not yet. Had. It still hasn't become official, has it, John? No, but uh, it, it, it's it's going to happen. And from that standpoint, at least they can see the some light at the end of the tunnel. But yeah, football wise, oof. this could Hurt. drag on for another couple of months, and then they bury this season too, which I think they would have been buried anyway. Well, yeah, I think they they've already buried this season, but at least. Um, at least they can start to turn the thing. not not if you ask Ed Kratz, who's a big Sam, Sam Howell. Howell baby. Yeah, they yeah. loved him so yeah. much they were looking at uh, Andrew Luck. Hey, Andrew, yeah. you haven't played for four years. Come back. No, the guy, the guy who would have been supplanted was Carson Wentz because when they couldn't get the Colts' yeah. uh, real starting quarterback, they got their faux starting quarterback instead, and that didn't work out too great for either. Uh, we will get uh, Grant up tomorrow. Uh, you and I going to do this again. I'm back for a show tomorrow. You in, McMahon? Uh, let's do it. You get Mac and Mac tomorrow, 2 and 2. We're back. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.